0: Hi there, this is Alex and in our second episode of Salt and Sugar, we are going to be talking about bystander intervention and I am also joined with Erin Brown to talk about what it means to be a bystander and how to intervene. So thank you again so much for listening and I hope you enjoy. Bye! So welcome, everybody, to our second episode of the Salt and Sugar podcast. So my name is Alex Martin, and I'm one of the lead consent peer educators um, for Guelph-Humber and Humber North campuses. And I'll invite Aaron to introduce himself.
1: Yeah, so my name is Aaron Brown, um, and I am the coordinator for sexual violence prevention and education at Humber and Guelph-Humber. Um, So I work really closely with the consent for education program.
0: Yes, and it's really fun having you here. And um, just for folks who um, didn't see our last episode, the purpose of the title for uh, topics um, that we talk about during our podcast um, are mainly surrounding sexual assault and consent. So many folks do not realize that if they are in a situation um, that they might have a lack of knowledge around consent and therefore we thought of the title salt and sugar because um, both look identical. And we only know the difference between them uh, by the way that they taste. So our podcast will be able to give folks the ability to recognize the difference between consent when consent is given and when it is not. And um, throughout uh, the rest of our episodes, we'll be talking more around different um, things that surround sexual assault and today we are going to be talking about bystanders what is a bystander and also like bystander interventions so um that are those are the the basics surrounding our title of salt and sugar and uh just a psa that the things that we will be talking about in this episode might be triggering to some folks so if you are triggered by the content feel free to dm us on instagram during the podcast um or you can dm my account as well because this is my personal and um, if you are triggered by the content um CPEP Instagram will be there for assistance, and uh, there are also on and off campus resources from Humber College that you can um, go to for more assistance. So, um, you just type in Humber um, Sexual Violence, and you will be able to get to the page um, where you can see on and off campus resources. So, just wanted to mention that for all those folks. So, Now we get into the, so, uh, when we think of the word bystander and what do you think
1: a bystander is in your, in your views? So I, I automatically, I mean, I sort of just break it down and I think like bystander stand by like, and and really someone who's just, um, present for something and they're not really doing anything. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and so, um, Like, I I think almost of, like, the word witness, for instance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sort of thinking about, um, like, the connotations that we have with the idea of bystanders. And, like, you know, do we think a bystander is a good thing, a bad thing, somewhere in the middle? Um, Like, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with the definition of a bystander is... um someone who's there in the place of what might be happening but not uh, directly being involved with the situation that might be occurring Um, and I think that with the bystanders I think it's somewhere in the middle because um, it's not a good or bad thing to be a bystander it's it's right in the middle I think that you know some folks are unable to know what to do in certain situations so and that's okay it's not a bad thing um and that's why we have things like this like this podcast to tell folks about what we uh, will be talking about later about intervening and things like that but um a bystander is somebody that is just there in the moment and sees what is occurring and um you know some people can be in shock as well like it's hard for us to to know what to do exactly in those situations um because some of us might have never been in that scenario before so i don't necessarily think it's a good or bad
1: thing to be a bystander it's right in the middle um so i think that's a really good point too because like for me i my inclination goes to more of like a negative connotation because i think like oh there's someone who's not doing something right and um, you know when we're thinking of bystanders being um, present for an instant but but standing by um, but you've noted like there's some really challenging things that might prevent us from intervening mm-hmm. um, and and I think what's great is that we can also have these good perspective of bystanders because we can have people who actually do step in um, mm-hmm. who see something and then take action to address um, whatever incident is taking place in a positive way, um, which I think is really great. But I'm I'm really curious, um, you know, because you've talked about like um, some of the, the reasons why someone might not intervene, and and so I guess I'd just love to explore that a bit more. Like, why um, do you think people don't intervene? I think the
0: reason why some someone might not want to intervene is that they they don't know what to say. They don't want to be involved in something that could possibly put them in risk as well of whatever the situation might be. Let's say like they put them in an unsafe position while they intervene. Um, some people might say it's not, it's not really my business. It's, you know, it's their issue and not mine. Um, and they kind of say, I'm sure somebody else will be there to step in. I don't think it will be me because um, it will be somebody else that will try and help and um and sometimes it's like maybe that's a a friend of theirs and they say i don't want them to be like mad at me if i decide to go and help them if they wanted to deal with it on their own so sort of thinking about the repercussions i think is what most people think about when they decide whether or not to intervene um and it's okay to have those thoughts like these situations can be scary, and um they they think that their actions might have a bigger impact if they were to intervene and um that's why I think most folks decide not to so um yeah, yeah I,
1: think I, I I'm sort of thinking of um You know, you talked about like, for instance, I don't want the friend to be mad at me. And I think that raises an interesting question of, um, do you think it's easier to intervene when it's a stranger or when it's someone that you know? And I think maybe Mm. that answer varies per person. Like I, um, you know, we have those really important relationships in our lives. And so it can be really hard to see someone in a light that like is unfamiliar with us or does challenge our perception of them potentially. And as you mentioned, you know, we don't want them to be mad at us potentially. Like those relationships I think are sometimes really hard to address. Um, But I also think, you know, is it easier to intervene with a stranger? Um, And I I think that might depend on who we are. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I am a white man, like I, Um, I'm kind of socialized to like take up space and uh, you know be able to to talk to anyone and that sort of thing. Like I, um, there's less I think fear um, potentially as a white man um, in being able to intervene because we're always able to take up space. And so um, I think that for me, I feel relatively comfortable being able to go up and talk to strangers and, and have those sorts of conversations if I see something happening. Um, But I do wonder, you know, there's that safety piece, would everyone feel comfortable doing that if there were strangers (laughs) around and and would you feel safe sort of thing?
0: Yeah, no, I was definitely um, thinking about scenarios that I've been in, not necessarily around sexual violence, but also um, in, let's say, First aid related things, Um, you know, I was a lifeguard for a little bit. So my job is to intervene. And then sometimes um, I've been in situations where I'm not on shift and things happen. Um, For example, I went on a trip to Europe and um, I was with the group from my school as well as another school and um, some uh, folks from the other school were shopping in the same stores as us, um, you know, want our free time and things like that. And um, it was just one of them. And um, he decided to come into the store and he actually developed, um, or he experienced a seizure. And uh, we didn't realize, I was with another friend of mine and we didn't realize that he was actually having a seizure or that um, he was our, part of our group until we actually took a good look and like realized what was happening and strangers started helping him and then we told the the um the workers of the store you know call the ambulance and things like that and we started intervening more and getting people from our group to help out and things like that so there is a time where you get this sort of shock feeling and Mm -hmm. and uh and that's something that people, I think, are really scared about doing, um, or they, they have that moment when they see the, a certain scenario, because it always depends on the scenario, I think, too. Um, when we're talking about sexual violence, this is a little bit trickier because, you know, it's, it's scary to put yourself in that situation and sort of put, their, put yourself in their shoes, who's ever experiencing that scenario. And it can be difficult for you to, you know, want to intervene because you don't want to be in that scenario either. But we have to also think about what it could mean if we stop this so that that person does not have, um, you know, thoughts later on in their life about something or somebody could have helped me, something could have happened differently. Right. And I think also people will think about what could I have done to, possibly have done something differently in that scenario, so. Um,
1: yeah, I think you've brought up some interesting pieces. Because um, I'm thinking, you know, going back to your piece about the lifeguard, and like, as a lifeguard, you also get specific training, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you are, are trained in how to intervene in certain scenarios, and you, you do your first aid training. And I think you even do like a, a couple extra levels, potentially. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you have those skills, Um, And you also have those obligations, Um, you know, as you mentioned, like when you're working, you have to intervene because that (laughs) is your job to be doing that. Um, And so I think about like one of the reasons why someone might not intervene is because they don't have that skill set. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe they don't know how to intervene if someone is experiencing a seizure, for instance, and so they're not sure what steps to take Um, or... um, you know, they might also like if there's other people at the pool, for instance, when you're a lifeguard, um, they're probably going to turn and look at you and be like, okay, well, Alex needs to take care of this. Yeah. Uh, because, like, that's her job. She has the skill set. We're going to let her do her thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I sort of think of those pieces as well. And um, I, I'm also thinking of uh, the bystander effect. Um, And and I think some folks might be familiar with this, but basically it's this idea that the more people that are present, um, the less likely it is that anyone will intervene. And it's sort of like wild because we're like, well, no, now there's more people who could do something. Mm -hmm. Um, But because of that, everyone's like, okay, well, you know, someone else will will address this. Like someone else will take care of it. I don't need to... um, or you know I, I think there's even that potential that we might question whether we need to intervene because we're like well if no one else is really reacting to this like is it in my head that this is actually a problem and and so I think there's you know those doubts come in or, or we just really think that it'll be someone else's responsibility. Yeah and...
0: there's definitely those psychological factors I think um, when people are in a scenario a lot of things come into their mind about um you know what might be involved afterwards uh let's say like police investigation things like that people don't want to be involved in um you know a lot of things come into their mind and that can prevent someone from intervening in a scenario um because of what might happen after they're not really thinking about what can i do in this moment to change what's happening to help this person that's in the scenario uh, they're more or less thinking about what's going to happen after what are people going to do or what's going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I don't think it, when people are bystanders, a lot of people say that it might be like a selfish thing that they're thinking like, I don't want to be in the scenario because I don't want to be unsafe. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. You can have those thoughts and being a bystander is not a bad thing. Like we said in the start, it's, um, It's just understanding that if you feel unsafe, that is okay to remove yourself from the situation. And if you feel like you're okay to intervene, that you have the mental capacity to do that. And as well as like checking your surroundings and being able to make sure that you will be in a safe area, then make the decisions to go forth and intervene.
1: Right. So. um, Yeah. I, that safety piece I think is so important. Um, like I, I I'm never gonna intervene in a scenario that isn't safe for me to do so. Or at least I'm not going to intervene directly. And and you know, I facilitate training on this and that sort of thing. And so I've heard lots of examples over the year and, and I remember one student who was sharing an example of when they didn't intervene and they were talking about a house being on fire. Um and they're like, I didn't go in to check to see if everyone was okay. I'm like, Yeah, I wouldn't either. Right? Like I'm I'm not gonna run into a burning building. Um mm-hmm. because that's not safe for me. Um I really like not being like on fire. Um and so that person shared that they had um called nine one one and like that's a form of intervening, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think you had referenced that in your story in Europe as well as like, cool, like now let's get the people who are actually going to be equipped to address the scenario and and then let's get their support which i think is um really really important Um, yeah and i also actually want to jump back to um after your your lifeguarding story and you, you talked about um in instances of of sexual violence and how that can be um you know a bit scary to try and intervene and and so that also makes me think of like what are some of the supports that we have available to us to intervene? Um, but I also think it's important to acknowledge that like sexual violence is, is really broad. And mm-hmm. so we might not always see a sexual assault taking place. We might instead see someone making inappropriate comments to someone about their body. Um, right. We might be I mean, like, in a perfect world when we're like COVID goes away and we can (laughs) go out to the club or whatever. Um, You know, if we see someone who is like dancing up on one of our friends and making them uncomfortable, like we need to recognize that even though it's a club and like, yes, people are dancing up on each other. Like, how are we reading the signals here? Was there consent involved? And so how do we address that? Yeah. I would like, Sorry. Yeah. Go. Oh, I was just going to say. I, th- I think like one of the important pieces of, of bystander intervention is that we need to recognize that something is a problem mm-hmm. because we're not going to intervene unless we are like, yeah, that's an issue. So now, what are we going to do about it?
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Like there is a scenario that I want to give to folks um, that might give us um, a better understanding of what we might see. So, like you said. If COVID goes away, you know, when everything is gone and we can actually go to the club or go to parties and things like that, an example that I would probably give to folks is I don't know if uh, people know of 12 bars, but essentially it's a time during Christmas where um, all of us go bar hopping. So people sign up and they get on to different teams and then they go bar hopping and it's just a lot of fun. Um, But those are... The times where we can see things that involve sexual violence um and uh i think a lot of the time it happens in in clubs and bars and things like that where people don't really understand like what's happening because we're not reading the situation correctly but an example um that i would give is essentially when um my friends and i went to 12 bars there was a group of girls that were uh, in the same team as us And so they would go to the same bars as us. So I met them at one bar and then they, you know, we started conversations. They were really sweet. And then we all sort of like disperse and then go to the next bar whenever we're ready to. We go to the next bar. I see them there. And then they come to me and say, this man is following us and trying to, you know, um, you know do something, they were trying to either dance with them or get their number or things like that, being really repetitive with their um, actions and trying to talk to them and that made them uncomfortable. So from my perspective, I said, uh, sort of creating a distraction or making it different. And uh, this sort of helped the situation, but, um, and they thanked me for it, but they were like, they're gay, they're lesbian, they, they're they not interested. So let's move this way. And then we sort of moved away from the syna- uh, scenario and then they stopped talking to them. I know that's not like the best way to, to handle it, but um, they were like, yeah, this is actually my girlfriend. And they sort of played along with the, what I said. And they're like, yeah, this is actually my girlfriend. We're gonna go over here now. So we walked away from the scenario and then the men stopped bothering them. Um, and then, you know, we would also see some other folks, um, have the same sort of scenario and we would say, you know what, like, they're not interested. We're going to go over here now and saying things like that just to get away from, from what's happening. Um, and then eventually like leaving them and making sure that they're okay, asking if they're fine. Um, and I feel like I've been in a lot of scenarios where that has happened to other people that I've seen and it's also happened to me, but the kind of person that I am with training and things like that, I know what to say, but also, um, seeing it with other people, it's, it, I would say with strangers, it was a lot easier. I just met these people and I was trying to help them out and, you know, trying to have like everybody to have a good time. Right. So, um, Mm -hmm when we talk about how to intervene, there's a lot of different ways to go about doing that. So like I said, creating a distraction or something else to guide people away from what's happening. Um, You want to make sure that even though they might not be your friends, just say like, Hey, do you want to go get a drink over here? Try and like move them away from the scenario. Right. Mm -hmm. So that they're not staying in the same place. Um, That was a little tangent I went on, but you
1: know, but I, I think that's a great example. And, you know, I I love the distraction method um, because it's something that feels safe to me. Like we're not necessarily addressing um, the specific harmful behavior that's taking place. Cause maybe we are worried about what might happen if we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think about like, I've spilled my drink on someone before. Um, and like, that's been a way to just like interrupt what's taking place. Um, and then I can, like, go and chat with that person, like, hey, how are you doing? This is mm-hmm. something that I noticed. Um, you know, I think about, um, like, we can ask someone what the time is. Like, there, there's so many ways that we can sort of just, like, pop in and, and pull the attention away um, that I, I think is really valuable. And what I like about that is, like, then you're able to check in with the person who is experiencing that harmful behavior. Um, and you're able to see, like, how are they feeling? What do they want done about it? Um, mm-hmm. And and maybe they're like, you know what? I can handle it. It's good. And it's like, cool. Great. I'm glad to hear that. Um, but you're, you're really able to kind of, like, get their perspective and even their consent around what they might want done.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, it's just creating that distraction for the person to... Get away from that um, unsafe space, um, you know, getting them away from what's actually happening. And you, it's okay to not address it in the moment because of what you said before that that can lead to something that can, you know, progress into something more unsafe. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, trying to cut off the conversation and um, make a diversion to something else. So, so. saying, um, Like I said, do you want to, Hey, like, Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in so long. Like, let's Mm -hmm. go over here. You know, let's, let's dance over, dance over here, you know, try and talk them out of being in this specific scenario. And then later on, once you, it's it's just you and that other person make making sure that they're okay. You know, how are you doing? Do you want me to stay with you? Is there anything else that I can do for you? Um, Also, if you don't want to create the the distraction if you notice it refer to somebody that's in authority you could also go to the bartender and say hey like i'm noticing that this is happening um the security guard even you could say like i'm noticing that this is happening um can you go and help this person or even they have ways bartenders have ways to sort of make the distraction to help that person out in ways that won't um connect it to the scenario or the unsafe situation. So they have training as well um, to sort of push away from that.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking like, we chatted a lot about like the club or or party scenario, Um, but I think that there's like people in positions of power or like authority everywhere. I think about like if we were on campus and something was happening, like finding a professional staff member or calling public safety, um, if we are at the grocery store, like talking to someone who works at the store, uh, who just maybe has like a bit more authority than than we can to address something. Um, and I think we can also use like the distraction method in those scenarios too, right? Like if you see something happening, can you like, you know squeeze between them while they're like having an argument and be like, Oh, like, sorry, I really want this specific jar of Alphagetti or something. Right. That you're like, you're just able to interrupt that in that moment um,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and, and give those folks like just a moment of space. Um, and, and hopefully that um, allows you to then explore that scenario a bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, um, with everything that's going on right now in the world with COVID-19, it's, um, it can still happen. It's not like um, things like this can happen. Like we mentioned it, you can see it in a grocery store. You can see it in the mall when things open, you know, you can see it in different places. It's not only um, in places of like party vibes, um, it, it's in regular places. And um, if you see it happening, there's ways to intervene without even having to go into that scenario if you feel unsafe to do so. Like mm-hmm. we mentioned, talking to somebody at the store, mentioning that you're seeing this, um, and finding ways to intervene in a safe way that is comfortable to you, um, and also to help the person that's in that specific scenario. Uh,
1: so I am... I'll go for it. Sorry. I was going to say, I'm, I'm also thinking about, um, you know, we've talked about people in positions of, of power or authority. Um, but sometimes, like, even if they, it's not another person who has like that sort of power, but um, if you're with a friend, being able to turn them and say like, hey, are you seeing that too? Like, I I think we should do something, right? And just like having another person with you, I think will help you feel safe. And it, like, it, it theoretically will make you safer um, and, and might make you feel more comfortable in addressing something that's taking place, which I think is, um, really important. Like what are what are the resources available to us? I mm-hmm. think is is a great question and a lot of times that's people resources.
0: Yeah. And I wanna touch on something that is more virtual, um, just because of COVID nineteen and everything that's happening now. Um I know it sounds weird, but even TikTok has made things where it can sound like you're on the phone with someone to sort of get yourself out of a c- scenario. If it's you that's in this unsafe place, um, they have people on TikTok have made videos where it sounds like you're on the phone with a friend and you're able to talk to them you know, and making a distraction for yourself trying to get out of that scenario. So an example would be, let's say you're in an Uber, and you know, you feel unsafe in the scenario, you pull up one of these videos, and it can sound like you're talking to a friend or even talking to an actual friend too. But, um, you know, there's other resources as well that can help with this um, situation, because it has happened to people, and they decided to make it easier and accessible for people to to use it. And TikTok, it's something that um, I'm happy to see because people are actually teaching on uh, ways to intervene. And also videos have come out for sexual um, violence and um, also the sign of, if it was interpersonal violence, so in a relationship, um, there's a sign where you put your hand with your thumb in and you close it. If you're on the phone with someone, they know that that is a time time to intervene if they're in an uncomfortable scenario. Um, even when you're on the phone with the police, that you can say, I would like an extra large pepperoni pizza. Like these are ways that you can talk to um, someone of authority if it's you that's in this scenario as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, Yes, we are talking about bystanders, but there also is ways for yourself to feel feel safe in those in those scenarios. So, just wanted to mention those and
1: touch on that. And I I um I'm thinking about intimate partner violence. You know, you've you've brought this up, and and I think you know going back to like why is it sometimes hard for us to uh, intervene? And I think um, when it's a relationship sometimes it's really hard to intervene because we think like, oh, that's their relationship, it's their business. Um, Or maybe we're friends with both people involved and we don't want to get anyone in trouble and and we care about them both and that sort of thing. Um, And I think a really great technique um, is to really like delay intervening and then debrief with the person who's being harmed afterwards.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that, you know, in, in intimate partner violence I'm really mindful that safety can be challenging, particularly um, if uh, the person is living with the person perpetrating violence or is financially dependent on them and those sorts of things. And so to sort of address it in that moment, sometimes there's a concern around like, will this escalate violence or, or cause further harm? But how can I, chat with a person and be like, oh, you know, we should like go for Starbucks tomorrow and like grab a coffee and then at that coffee. Okay. Hey, this is something that, you know, I had noticed. Um, and I, you know, I really want to chat about that. Like, how are you doing? Cause this is sort of how I was perceiving that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's an opportunity for you to then remind them that they're not alone, that you're available for support. And then like when they're ready, you can start talking about like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, to, to prevent future harm and, and to explore some options for safety. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's uh, something that I, I just want to bring up as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I'm, I'm, oh, go okay. ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say you can finish your
1: point. Um, well, I was thinking, you know, we, we've talked about all these sort of discrete ways or, or methods for um, intervening. But something we haven't talked about yet is that we actually do just to directly intervene. Um, and, and so when we're being direct in our intervention, like we're, we're making it clear what behavior is inappropriate and we're doing something uh, to navigate that. And so if it's you know an inappropriate comment, um, maybe it's saying like, hey, like that was actually a, a really uncomfortable comment and I would like it if you didn't say that again. Right, and, and we're addressing that as that the behavior. Um, I think about, um, you know, if there is, um, oh my goodness, my mind is blanking. I'm going to this video that we sometimes show in our training and like there is a bouncer who um, sees this man, you know, walking away with a woman who is like stumbling and like very, very drunk. Um, and the, the um, bouncer like actually physically gets, in between them and is very direct in, in that intervention and um, I think that like the bouncer is someone who's trained to do that I'm very scrawny I will probably not be doing that um, but like that is an example of a direct intervention or um, even just being able to say like hey can you stop doing that um, you know you're addressing the behavior and calling attention to it um, and why it's problematic and so Um, you know, sometimes that is something that we're going to do and it's going to be the best fit in that scenario. And, um, so that's just something that I also kind of wanted to bring into this space.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, you know, there is that direct way to get involved and, um, there are ways where you can, like how you said with the bouncer that they actually get involved and yes, they're trained to do that. Um, And sometimes if you see this happening, it's okay. And if you feel safe to do so, sort of say, you know what? This is inappropriate and this is not something that, um, you know, that should be happening. You need to step away and I am here with this person. You know, this is not something that should be happening. Um, I've definitely been in scenarios where I have had to directly intervene like i mentioned like saying they are not interested they do not want this attention from you yes it can hurt but i'm sorry they don't Mm -hmm. want attention from you right now um you know and sort of addressing that this is inappropriate it's going too far and we're gonna stay with these uh folks and then you can remove yourself like this is your time to walk away right so um that is just based on my personality. I'm, you know, I've had training in terms of wanting to intervene and things like that. I've been an RA or a resident assistant. So I've had to directly intervene in, in certain uh, scenarios. And yes, it's my job, but also it helps me in real life. Um, and I want people to to think about like, you don't necessarily need to feel that you have to have training to do something. Um, And also I feel like when people uh, hear the word or think of the word intervening, they're always thinking of that direct way to do it. Mm -hmm. The scary part, because they are thinking that there is no discreet way for me to say or get this person out of a scenario. So then that's what makes them scared to intervene. So we both, we have, two ways that you can intervene um and uh that goes along with like asking help asking for help or calling 911 things like that but also um discreet ways creating a distraction and also direct ways so i don't want people to think that when we think of intervening it means that you need to say stop you need to stop this scenario right now like trying to get into that direct way um want people to also think that intervening is calling for help asking um or going up to the person saying hey let's go get some pizza you know creating the distraction like how we mentioned so um and i just want to touch on what we were talking about before for intimate partner violence um you know i've experienced uh our relationship that was abusive as well. And going through that, a lot of my friends noticed that I wasn't with them a lot, right? Because I was always with this other person. So I kind of wish that was more noticed. And then that could have helped me get out of the scenario sooner. I'm not like blaming it on my friends, right? But I'm saying that there are things that you can notice where your friends are you know, you're not seeing them as often or their partner is being constantly rude to them, things like that, um, that you can sort of chat about, like Erin said, going out for coffee and talking about what you've noticed so that you can sort of help that person with the scenario that they're currently in. So um, just wanted and, to as well.
1: Yeah, I think that, that ties back to like, you know, you know, as we said earlier, you need to recognize that something is wrong to be able to intervene. And I think, um, you know, part of the reason that we're talking about bystanders at all is recognizing that like, w- we need as a community to take responsibility for preventing and intervening in violence. Um, and so we can't always expect the person who's experiencing harm to manage it on their own. And um, we are able to step in and do something to help remedy the situation or uh, enact some sort of positive change, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. Um, one of the things that I'm also thinking about um, when you are talking about like, you know, the ways that you've intervened directly, um, and like we can be direct and be respectful, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that um, it's actually really important most often that we do because we might also then prevent you know, further violence and that sort of thing. Like, I think that we can be scared um, that if we inter- intervene directly that someone is going to respond in a really negative way. Um, but if we're being, you know, respectful with them, hopefully they will return that respect. Um, and, and so I think that that's an important uh, point that I wanted to note there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I, th- I am also thinking about is just that, you know, as you noted, there's, there's a ton of different ways that we can intervene. And um, it can be direct, it can be indirect through like distracting or, or delegating or doing that delay and debrief at a, at a different point in time. Um, but there's always options available. Um, you know, we, we always have the opportunity to do something. Um, And that, I think, is a really important thing for us to be able to reflect on is to think about, you know, what stops me from taking action? um, And is it that I'm sort of not thinking of all the potential actions that I could take? Um, And and how do I start building some habits and changing those thought patterns so that um, I am being that that supportive bystander? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, exactly and i think that what we've covered so far is is pretty much sums up what you can do as a bystander what a bystander is so like we said at the start a bystander is not a good or bad thing it's it's in the middle because it's what you decide that you feel safe to do um and you know Asking for others to help you is always a great option. When you're with other people, you can enlist them to help support you in that scenario, to intervene. Um, you know, our actions do matter, and we're able to change what happens. We're able to change the outcome by stepping in and helping that person. Um, and, you know, it it changes or it prevents... Um, it prevents what happens later on like something worse can happen right a, a a bad comment can lead to something a lot worse than what we think right so stepping in as soon as we see it is something that we need to think about and um it could really change the scenario and how how it rolls out or plays out uh in the end so There are steps that you can take to support that person that's in that scenario and show that you were there and show that you were um, supportive and that you care for their safety as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, touching on that our actions matter when these things are seen. Right.
1: So. Absolutely. I think, you know, we, we all have the ability to change the traje- uh, trajectory for someone mm-hmm. um, and, and improve their experience, which I think is really valuable. Um, one of the things that I want to do a little uh, a little plug for um, is that we do have our bringing in the bystander training program. Um, and, then, and so it's a two-hour training um it is um, co-curricular record approved. Um, so students can get co-curricular record um, recognition unless you're doing it for class, um, in which case you'll receive a, a, certificate, a certificate instead. Um, but um, I just want to note that if folks are interested in that, you can visit humber.ca slash sexual assault or email bystanderprogram at humber.ca um, to learn more or request a session. I think it's a really great development opportunity for folks, and um, I, I think you know going back to this piece that it really is our responsibility as a community um, to be able to to address these behaviors and learn to know um, ways that we can do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, if any folks have any questions about what we've covered so far, feel free to comment um, uh, in our podcast live right now, and uh, we can answer them for you. Um, We just want to bring it all in. This episode might be a little bit shorter than our last, but um, we just want to mention that, you know, it's okay to have thoughts of being scared to intervene. It's okay that if you feel unsafe... Um, We don't want to disregard those feelings. Right. So whenever you do have those feelings, don't think of it as a bad thing and that it's okay if you have those um, those thoughts when something happens, because, you know, we do get into shock. You know, I've experienced it tons of times of being a lifeguard. There's a lot of things that I was scared to intervene in. Right. Because um, it is a very scary scenario. Right. So don't ever think that uh, what you're feeling is wrong or um, that you shouldn't be feeling
1: those things. So, yeah, I
0: wanted to touch on that, too. Mm-hmm.
1: But and I think um, one thing I would just add to that is like it, it takes practice. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I think that the more that we do it, the less scarier uh, or the less scary it gets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we see that the world does not end when we intervene and that, um, you know, we're, we're continually practicing those skills and it really is a skill set. A mm-hmm,
0: hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I forgot to mention at the beginning of this
1: uh, podcast
0: that it's actually pink shirt day as well. Uh, so that is against anti-bullying and I'm wearing my pink shirt from uh, Ignite. And I encourage everyone else to wear pink, uh, their pink shirts on February 24th. Um, so if you're hearing this as a recording, then, you know, you'll know for the future, but, uh, it is pink shirt day and we wear pink shirts to, um, support those, um, who have been bullied and, you know, uh, make sure that we are t- doing our part to help stop that as well. So just wanted to mention that, um. But yeah, um, if uh, d- I can't I don't know if any comments have come up, but
1: uh, I can't see anything that's happening. But
0: any comments?
1: No that- comments that have come through in the chat. Um, but I think, you know, we're always open to questions in our DMs. Um, you can also email at uh, cpep at humber.ca. Um, for anything related to the Consent Pre-Education Program, um, we're always happy to be able to to answer those questions um, Mm -hmm. and really learn about what you would like to learn about or or what some of those needs are so that we can do some programming around that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, be sure to follow us at CPAP Team on Instagram, which is where we'll be. Where We post uh, most of our events that we have throughout the rest of the semester, as well as when we will be um, posting our next podcast or um, doing it on our live. And we also support other um, uh, clubs and, and people from Humber College as well. So you can also find out about those um those clubs as well so uh, be sure to follow us at cpep team and um thank you so much for joining us today folks and thank you for listening to our episode two of our salt and sugar podcast take care folks hope everybody has a great day and uh thanks again Bye. bye bye